the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Robert. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Robert Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on the show today, I've got Jonathan Jones. He empowers millennials and students to speak their success, believe in their greatness and create the life and business of their dreams. Also, he is a TEDx speaker, originator of Speak Your Success Academy and best-selling author of the book Process. On top of that, he is also the host of Speak Your Success podcast. So welcome on to the show, Jonathan. James, thank you for having me. Glad to be here with you today. Let's go. So before we delve into today's topic, Jonathan, for my listeners, uh, can we kind of go back to what was the initial thought process for you wanted to kind of get into the self-help kind of niche? Oh, the initial process was Man, it was, it, was, it was a dark one, I guess you could say. Barely graduated high school, just went to college because college is what was next. But we'll fast forward through college, and then I graduated. And I'm sitting here working a retail job, James, and I'm like, ugh, I'm so tired of coming here every day. Ugh, I don't want to get up and work early. Uh, why are you giving me these extra hours that I asked for, mind you? And I, I was negative. And then my boss really challenged me, said, Jonathan, your attitude sucks. I said, whoa. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, your attitude sucks. And at that point, she really, she, she really uh, left an impression on me to challenge myself to understand, to first of all, reflect on the things I have to be grateful for as opposed to finding excuses and finding reasons to be upset and be mad. And that was when everything really took a turn for, for the better, I'd say. Because that manager, my manager, Marlene, at that local retail store is when things shifted that one day. But why do you think you had a negative connotation to everything? Do you, do you think it was you shifting the blame onto other people when things didn't kind of go right then? I, I would say I had a negative mindset because I was in the space of feeling entitled uh, going back to that, going back to that, that job, I, I was there for the longest. I, I was there for probably like two and a half years. So I saw the managers come in and go out. I saw other local sales employees go in and go out. And then I was entitled because I wanted to be the chief, but I didn't want that responsibility. I wanted to say what was wrong with everybody else and everything else in the store, but I didn't want to do anything about it. And, that, uh, and, and that's really why I say I was, I was entitled because I was in that place and I was like, this is wrong, that's wrong, y'all need to fix it, but I get to walk away from it. So that, that was really the biggest part because I did not want to take the responsibility of being a leader at that store. And I guess you could even say I ran from leadership because I didn't, I didn't have to take the responsibility for it. It freed me up and left the manager to carry the weight or the load. But then I was, you was, you could probably say that about society. Everybody, and I could include myself within that, when it comes down to taking ownership and kind of a leadership role, 
people don't want to do it. Uh, yeah, I think people want the benefits of leadership. I think people want the 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 glitz and the glam and the accolade of leadership. But I, I wouldn't say everybody wants to do the work of what a leader needs to do or what's required of a leader. So I would say yes to your point on that. Also, I, I would even go as far as to say, I don't think people want to take leadership of areas that are that are placed on them versus areas that they decide to be the leader in. For, for, in, for instance, if, if you worked in my company and I'm like, James, I'm, I'm excited you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm getting ready to retire. So I want you to take my spot. I want you to take this position. I want you to take over the company. I want you to run this company once I leave. And then you'll say, wait, well, wait, J- Jonathan, wait. I didn't say I want that role because my passion is blank over here. My passion is writing books, selling books over here. So why would I want to be the manager over here and be the manager of a retail store? That's not what my desired passion is. And I, and I think that's where a disconnect could be sometimes because people want to give you an ownership role of something that you are to be a owner in. So therefore, there's no shift value, there's no drive, and you don't want to take that responsibility. But then could you not shift um, the responsibility, not the responsibility, but shift how you you enact that role to kind of combine the two, then you kind of get the best of both worlds? Well, yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. And and that's what I've, I've heard to be is extremely successful, as well as I've seen in my own personal life, working nonprofit, uh, working different, different and various jobs is by allowing the individual, the individual who is in your company, we'll go back to the same analogy if you're working in my company. And then I, if, if I came to you and I was like, James, what, what are your goals for the next three to five years? And then you began to tell me, well, you want to begin to increase your influence. You want to uh, make more money, but you also want to learn more and see uh, if you could potentially take what you learned here and then utilize that in another company doing something else. Then I would say, okay, well, now that I know what James goals are, so now I can create, now I can put James in the best position possible to be successful because now I know that you want to increase your influence. So now I'll create opportunities when there's a presentation that I'm supposed to give, I'll let you do it because now you began to get more influence and now people begin to see more notoriety around you versus me. Because I'm trying to step out of this role, but however, I'm adding value to you by allowing you to take on that position. And then gearing certain tasks or certain uh, jobs or different things like that that need to be completed. Now, gearing those towards your goals. So if you increase your influence in that way, now you're beginning to move up and now you're beginning to help me, but I'm also helping you as well. Does that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But then coming to, to that, that um, analogy you raised with in terms of where do you see yourself in five years, mm-hmm. I don't want to ask as an interview question, I hate it. Because <laughs> I don't know, it's because maybe because I can't answer it or you don't see yourself sticking in that position for that period of time. Mm. It's, very, it's very difficult to answer. I was thinking with more so, I think, the one you, the analogy you used, I think from a business point of view, you always want to grow your influence. So that, so that one, I think, 
relate. Maybe it's because I'm saying, well, this is a job role. I don't see it, me envisioning going past, I don't know, maybe year two. So why would I think beyond that? Whereas it's maybe like a stopgap, so to speak. So you kind of only thinking for the short term, whereas when people ask you, well, what were you going to do for five, 10 years? Like, well, I don't know. Would I even be in the organization in five to 10 years? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I think that's a trick question. Even when they ask people that when they're, when they're interviewing them, just like you said, because I remember when somebody asked me that question, they said, Jonathan, in five years, where do you see yourself? Even though we know one, it's a dead end question. And we also know that they're asking me this question with the answer already in their mind. They really don't care what I have to say if it doesn't involve their company. But they want me to say, oh, I see myself working in the company. I see myself going up the corporate ladder here, investing my time here and doing those things here. And that, I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest tricks. Because just, just like you said, some, sometimes, oh, I don't want to say this, James, because I'm not against people who have nine to fives or anything like that. Make the money how you need to make the money. But I feel that sometimes we have to play the game. This isn't just an entrepreneurship. I believe this is even in the corporate world because there are some days that the individual sitting across the desk and who is being interviewed that they need to tell the interviewer what they want to hear so that they can get the job so that they can pay their bills, which I think is a tough position for people to be in. But in all honesty, the interviewer is playing the game just like the interviewee is at the same time. Would you, would you agree with that? I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. But then shouldn't, going back to that, that, that question now, shouldn't we be teaching the kids in high school those skills and, and, and kind of prepare them for the real world? Because you're thinking, well, a lot of things you're learned in education, and this is where I get questioned a lot uh, in, my, in my job, in the education system, is this is this is this going to be useful and beyond um, where we're at in the education? It's like, well, some of it, a lot of them, they don't like. It's more specific to maths. They don't like maths. It's like, well, this you got to do because this is basic stuff. You need to be able to work it out in the store. Make sure they haven't made a mistake. Or, oh, I can get a phone out. Yeah, yeah, but if you don't know how to calculate, the phone's irrelevant. So I can understand you where you're talking about, be it um, algebra, trigonometry, uh, and beyond. If you're not going to do a math degree or quite high up in science, yeah, you've got a valid point. Yes, you will probably never use that ever again. But <laughs> it's not it's 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 not a bad thing to test your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, with you, with, with you even saying that, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that I took the same algebra class in junior college before I even passed it because I was never focused. However, one thing I did understand, and I've seen true to be seen to be true with school and education as a whole, college, even with the challenge now, to your point, where some people are like, well, is it worth going to college? Does it make sense to go to college? Do I need to go to college? I want to be an entrepreneur, John. Is that necessary? And I, I would just bring forth the question of, one, that, that college and high school, like these different areas, they show us different levels of how to learn and how we best learn. And that's what I, that's what I saw in high school, because high school, I struggled with math 
because I always wanted to skip showing my work. In high school, I struggled with math because I never wanted to take the time and go through the repetition to where I understood the formulas. Then later in college, I realized, okay, John, math is not your strong subject. So what do I need to do? I need to plan and prepare better. Like you said, you have a lot of high school students that listen or different individuals that listen. Once we understand this might not be my strongest area, however, I need this to graduate, then I need to put in a little extra focus, a little extra effort, a little extra time here by going to class a little earlier, getting tutoring, by going to this tutoring center, by getting a study buddy. So that, that's where I see the benefit there is it shows, it might show you an a, a area of opportunity because I don't like using the term weakness. So it shows you an area of opportunity where you can improve and then you focus there. And then college itself just opens you up to experience. You get to interact with different cultures and meet different people that you might not meet otherwise because people are coming from all over the world, different areas of the country. So whatever it may have you. Well, I think it's a, it's a definite one. It's, it's, you've got a, I like, I like that analogy. You say that you shouldn't see it as a weakness. I, I would, I would, well, my, 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 I wouldn't say math was my strong suit, but it was, it's better. It's definitely better now than it was back in high school. But I am also, what is it now? Gosh, if I get this math right, uh, about almost 15 years removed from high school. So it's, oh. a lot of it is going to be easy because you're thinking, why are you struggling with this? But then I was quite good at maths at uh, elementary level because we would have to do math quizzes mm-hmm. probably on a weekly basis. How fast can you solve these five problems? And you, you, you get the... I can't remember what the prize was, but (laughs) you're trying to go be the fastest and also beat your peers and then get it right. So there's going to be times where you're going to be going too quick. I still do it to this day. I still do that occasionally. I'll I'll go for the equation, blah, 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 quick. Oh, I've made a mistake. Oh, I see where I've done it. I've I've worked a number out too quickly. And and from, but then it's from, from, coming back to my point it is a little bit frustrating you're thinking why can't you work that out i can work that out in my head i don't need a calculator i don't need to write it down so you're thinking mm-hmm. where have you been let down so to speak mm-hmm. in your like the foundations of, of building you up that you can't um comprehend to be able to do it be it i think it probably stems from a reliance probably on mobile phones whereas with me okay we had calculators but we probably weren't allowed to use them back back we then never, you, no, had, no. you had to uh use mental arithmetic i know i know my be it my mother and my father and probably my aunt they'll say well to equations for me why can't you do that in your head thinking well um you're able to do it because they made you do that back in the edu- your education. Whereas with me, they probably allowed me to use a calculator. Uh, I probably, if it was a more simple equation, I'd be able to do it. And then whereas the ones today, you're thinking, well, this is a basic equation. I, g- I gave props to one of them because he I, well, he guessed a little bit, but he wasn't far. It was like 10, 10 off the, the, the correct answer. I'll, go, well, I'll give you, well, I'll give you dues. You weren't far off, but the answer's still wrong. <laughs> so I was like, this is 
because I think he did, he did it in his head. So what year, what, how old would he be? About 12, 12, 13. So it's like, well, fair dues. You, you try to work it out in your head. Okay. And you, you've only 10, but let me show you how, how, how I've worked out in my head because I've seen, well, that's wrong. Let me show you how you've got, you, you got it wrong so you can do it in that, through the formula and then obviously get it right, whether or not he took it on board because they're more and more, um, I won't say resilient to help, but confrontational. They, they don't, they kind of put up that barrier. Oh, I don't need help. Whereas it's like, well, it's not a bad thing to, if you don't understand something or comprehend it to ask. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that, that, that society has, has shown people that when you ask for help, that it, it's a sign of a weakness. Even we can think of some restaurants when you're passing by a restaurant and you're ordering food and you see a help wanted sign in the window that that doesn't make that restaurant look the most attractive. You say, uh, who would want to work here? You know, it's just one of those things that I I think can be uh, mistook by, by seeing those signs or by seeing people ask for help or seeing the kid raising his hand in class. I have a question. Why do you have a question? You always ask a question. And then after a while, then they stop asking questions because their counterparts are, are now tearing them down based on them trying to get a better understanding. It, 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 it almost doesn't make sense. However, those who do ask for help and those who do stay after class are those the ones that get the grades. And we may never know because they might be quiet. But as, as long as that works, and you, you know, in their, in their favor, I think, that's, I, I, I think that's something really that we can grow from. And even, even going back to what you said about, you know, working with calculators and writing out different problems and, and following through that process, I, I think that's the same with us in life. Because if, because if James goes off to school and, <clears throat> and, and then James might be struggling, just trying, trying to, try, you know, trying to get your, your footing, you're like, oh man, I need, I, I, I need dinner tonight. But you needed dinner because you frivolously spended your money wherever else when you first got off to school. And then you ask a parent, you're like, oh, mom, dad, can you give me this? Grandpa, can you give me this? And then you ultimately cheat. You're, then you would ultimately be getting cheated from the process of building that resilience, of building that responsibility and getting a better understanding of, wow, if, I, if I'm frivolous with my money, then I have to figure out a way to reproduce more money. or I have to get myself out of this hole because there's not always going to be somebody there to help me get out of these holes and help me fix these mistakes. So I, I think that's, that, that's something I think we all can learn from. And I think we all have been in that spot before where we, where we asked for a hand when we didn't really need one, but it, it, it was easier for us to ask as opposed to going and doing the work that was required for us to get to the result that we needed to get to. And I'd probably go a step further, Jonathan, in terms of, uh, I'm giving my um, two cents. I was very much, God, even, even up to university, college and university level, I, I would be very, not sh- I wouldn't put it down to shyness, but be very reserved in terms of wanting to put my hand up mm. because you're the perception. Well, if I put my hand up, um, well, I wouldn't say showing weakness, but somebody else is going to have the same question as me. So I'll wait to, for them to do it. And think, oh, know, yeah, of course. Of, of course. I'm, I'm going to let somebody else ask the question. Yeah. So I think, 
I think I've been teared down a few times by family members. It's like, well, how can you assume somebody will want to ask the same question and your question may never be answered? Mm, that's a... Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to borrow that. I'm gonna have to borrow that because I, that, that's really that's really powerful. Because that that's if you and and with that train of thought, we can go through life expecting expecting our questions to be answered, and we can walk around life with a whole bunch of unanswered questions. And with those unanswered questions, the the answer could have got us to a different place in our life. It could have got us to a different result. It could have been the answer that we needed to solve one of life's questions for ourselves, but. If we never asked it, then we'll never know. But then coming from your point with getting the handout from your family members, I think they're always going to be there because they don't want, they don't want to see you struggle. So I, I, I can understand your point coming. You shouldn't want to go out and, well, not want to have to overcome that adversity, but they're never going to want you to be in that situation in the first place. Yeah, well, yeah, I would say that that's true because, you know, family members, parents, siblings, whomever, whomever it might be, if if we're wired the correct way, or if we're, well, not, I won't say wired the correct way, but typically as a generous human being, to see another individual in need, you should, you should have something in your heart should tell you, I want to help this person. But my only, my only challenge with that is, but who? But who's a person who has it worse than you? Because I that that, that was one thing you asked earlier. When did the mindset shift? I, my 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 manager asked me. She said, "I want you to begin to think about the people." She said, "Somebody has it much worse than you." She said, "You're complaining about having a job and you're bringing in revenue. You're fine, but there are people other places who don't have people to reach out to. There are people other places who really might need that." blank that that you might be asking for and and, and that, that's really the challenge on my side because and and i've had to balance it out because i had to check myself and say is this pride telling me not to ask for money or is this me being lazy that i could actually go out and generate if i needed to so that that that, that i mean that's also like a, a balance or, or, or a war between the two is it is it your pride or are you really in a position where you need to ask and you need somebody to come through for you? So that's, you know, that, that's one of those things that can go either way. But I, I would definitely agree with you as well to your point, though, that as a human, you see somebody that's down and out and you want to help them. I, I, I would hope that, that that's a feeling that, that people have in their heart to help other people and see other people be successful and thrive. Well, that comes down to empathy, though. It depends on... Uh well, you could say how ruthless they are in terms of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that there's a that there's a level of that as well. That I think we all have something that we can channel within us that will cause us to be firm and more tense and more cold-hearted. Typically, maybe by something that was said by somebody previously, a relationship that affected us in a negative way, or then. You know, if we do that work, we go through that therapy, we do that counseling, we talk out certain things, then that's able to bring us to another side to where we can empathize with people. And we can listen just for the sake of listening to that individual, not necessarily needing to respond or needing anything to be reciprocated. 
with that. But yeah, that's, that's very true, Jonathan. It's 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 probably, but then it's only human. It's only human nature to to look at it either way in terms of a helping hand up. Um, uh, probably the negative side of that is probably stepping on top of somebody to get up the next rung on the ladder. But that's probably um, not, I would say, a pessimistic outlook, but it's it's how you perceive how you're going to get, a, 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 well, better yourself in the predicament you're at. True, true. And, and I think that goes back to mindset. I think that's really about mindset because when you're, when, when you're looking at a situation and you have a, uh, so, so there's a, there's a, there's a scarcity. So, so, so there's a scarcity mindset, excuse me, to where the focus is, it, it, it's, it's just that I'm stepping on your toes so I can get to the top. No way that I'm going to let you get above me. So that, 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 that's the individual who could be seen as negative. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get what I need to get. And I'm not worried about anybody else. But then on the other side, there's an abundance mindset. And that's the individual who says, well, we do better together. We grow together. Let me give because more is going to come back to me. And, and then, it, it, but it, it, it's really how an individual begins to think of things in their mind. If we even take it to, to, to thinking about, we'll, we'll just say speakers because I, I speak. And we'll just say that I'm working alongside of another speaker. And engagements are coming my way, but I know I can't do all these engagements. They're day after day after day. Some are on the same day. It would be stupid and ignorant for me to just try to take all of these, even though I don't have the time, even though I don't naturally have the energy to do all these, as opposed to passing some of them on. Because this way, now I benefit. Now this individual over here benefits. And now we both are, we both are growing. Versus, oh, no, no, no I'm going to keep all these for myself. Because... I mean, selfishness is cool, but selfish being selfish is a lonely place because then you might you might make a lot of money, but you won't have anybody to spend it with because you were trying to keep it away from everybody else and hoard everything from everybody. So I, I would just really hone in and challenge the mindset. Where like where does your mindset lie? Are you trying to help other people? Or are you trying to take from other people? I think the mindset in terms of having like a, a network is not a bad thing because if you have somebody, for instance, be it a client uh, or somebody that may come to your website or Facebook or whatever it may be, social media it may be, and you're not able to answer their question, now you've built up that network in place. You can go to somebody that will be able to answer that, that be able to answer that person's question. Whereas, if they did it directly to i don't know say somebody within fitness as the example they might not get back straight away whereas if i can be the go-between you might get an answer i don't know the next day here you go this is what such and such says i obviously can't answer your question but this is what i've gone to the expert within whatever that may be here's mm-hmm. the answer yeah i, I would have to agree <laughs> Because uh, I'm, I'm a part of a, a coaching community, or we call it a network, and that, that's one, one of the most beneficial parts is it, that, that we all have different experiences throughout our own lives. We all have different business experiences. We all have different business markets. So therefore, if I'm trying to figure out how to draw up a contract, and I, I would love to see how somebody else in this field has previously drawn up a contract, then I can just reach out to them. But if I was selfish, 
and I didn't tell anybody about that or anything like that, then I wouldn't be able to even have that resource because relationships, I believe, are built off reciprocity. And I'm not saying reciprocity in I do for you, you do for me, but it's just just giving what's needed because somebody might need somebody to just listen to them. That's it. Just listen. Now, on the other side, somebody might be an individual who is who just needs to be mentored. And then that way they both benefit, they both grow, they're able to both add value to one another, and then they can move on. But as, as long as I believe that there is genuine reciprocity in a relationship, you ask what the need is, you see how you can meet the need, and then you get to know one another on a deeper level, then I, I think that's how relationships are grown, and I think that's how networks and communities are definitely built, for sure. I think a great example for that, Jonathan, would be definitely the fitness industry. It's very... Uh, dog eat wood dog kind of uh, environment because it's so cutthroat. It's it's um, I can't think what's the percentage of it. I think it's eighty five percent of the businesses within the first year fail. So it's as an industry, it you are uh, on a hiding to nothing, so to speak. In that first year, you you quit qualified. So it's like well, it's not helping itself. On one hand, because the ones are more experienced and not going to give a helping hand to the newly trained ones. Okay, where I initially worked, that wasn't the case. They were; mm. it was more um, of a community, so to speak. So that was out of the norm because you, you had past experiences of well, a gym just down the street, whereas it would very cut. It'd be dog eat dog. Okay, the ones that were good at their their um, trade would do well but the ones fighting for the scraps were trying to undercut each other and things like that you're thinking well you do that you're not going to be liked as an individual um you'd probably hear of people trying to steal clients well Mm. start doing things like that (laughs) people are going to try and get you out the door it's like well oh man it's so uh, it's i think um one springs to mind, he, he was, oh, it's a few years ago now, he'd only started in, in the position quite recently. He only just met me and he kind of turned me off. It's like I mentioned something to do with my disability and why I was struggling with, I think with my back back then as well. And he said a comment. It's like, I meant, I think I mentioned to one of the other trainers who I'd known for a while, I was like, you'd hardly know me. And you're saying comments like that. It's like, That's like it. oh, well, it's, it's, I, I don't know if it's maybe that was how he was wired. He'd be quite, uh. I won't even say outspoken, but you're thinking, okay, if I knew you for months and you said that to me, that's fair enough. And we, we clicked or something like that. But you've only just met me and you're saying things like that. It's like, well, you've already put me on the, put, well, you put yourself on the back foot. I already have an assumption of you. Okay. In fairness to him and probably other people, I will give you a second chance and to say, well, that's a, maybe a one-off thing. You've not thought, you've not actually thought it through before you've opened your mouth. But I think on that occasion, it's like, well, there's no going back from that. It's like you, you've said something. Okay. You might be joking, but I didn't take it like that. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that, that that could be a, a variety of different things. Who knows? But I but I mean the first thing that comes to mind for me is is insecurity, and 
And I know that that's a thing in, in the fitness industry as well as anywhere else, because, you know, different people try to hide insecurities different ways by masking it, by doing more of something as opposed to covering up, you know, whatever that people might be trying to cover up. But to, to, to what you're saying earlier, I, I don't think a successful legacy can be built. I don't think a successful business can be built or anything like that when you're trying to take other people out the game. Because then it gets to the point of it's almost like a mafia mentality. Then if somebody took you out, then you say, well, who, who, who was it? Who do, we, who do we go interrogate? Who do we ask? It's like, well, we don't know who to ask because you were, you were undercutting everybody. So anybody could be a potential witness. Anybody could be a subject just because of the way you were operating. So I, and, and, and that's why in one of, my, one of my videos I was talking about integrity. I talked about there was pizza in the room, and I said, ooh, I want a slice of pizza. And there was a young man there, and I said, Edward, I'm going to take a slice of pizza, but don't tell anybody. And I said, no, 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 I can't do that. Because integrity, at the end of the day, integrity always shows up. And if it doesn't show up in that instant, it'll come back and get you later down the road. Because you, you can't hide your integrity. You can't hide your character. Eventually, the true you comes out and it shows itself. So I, I think that's something to always be on the lookout for. And if it's in a fitness arena, if it's at school, wherever it might be. But we have to do what's right whenever no one's watching. Because that's when, it's, that, that's when I think it really carries the biggest value. But I think for me, Jonathan, I think the shift from going from being uh, in a gym environment to going online probably shifted my mindset. It kind of, you, you, you can't tailor your services to everybody in the gym you can't answer every query and things like that whereas online i think you give a better account of yourself because one you can put the content out there and it's at the well be it well if we told the more specifically the podcast it's at the listener's discretion it's not i don't dictate if you listen to it because it's it's there if you choose not to listen to it, okay, that's not the that's not the deal. And that's probably because there's a shift in mindset that I don't, I won't say I don't care, but I don't delve or dwell upon the analytics and probably like I did when it first came out. It's like, well, why is this doing better than that? But if it resonates with one individual and they, they take action from it, the episode's done its job. So to kind of come to my point there, you were, I think by being online, I think you can better serve more people because you put the content out there. It's going to be, well, by you take it down, it's going to be there for, uh, for people to search. Whereas you be in a gym, you're only in one, you're only in one location and obviously, for be it, I don't know, say, for example, the, the client has you for an hour. Well, that, they've paid for your time, so you can't be obviously answering questions of, uh, of, of another member. Whereas uh, on the internet, I think the latter would be the case because the resources are there. You send it to the, to the person. Thus, I can receive emails, Facebook. Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, or guest requests to come on to another um, niche within whatever field that may be and give 
your two cents on, I don't know, adversity, for example, and give uh, value to that to a, um, a community that you're not in. So I think from that instance, I think it, it does bring a better impact. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think just like everything, I, I think it has its, its ebbs, its flows, its pros, its cons, its, its, its goods, its bads, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever have you. But but when it when when it comes to um, yeah I, I mean I I think that's just re- I think that's just really it just like you said it it, it just it's ultimately finding who uh, resonates with you and then going going at going after that because if it's a, if it's a gym that's near you that has something that you offer great or some people now with technology some people can go on YouTube or they can go on one of these sites on on the internet. And they can do a fitness plan and they can have a membership with a video fitness module and they can watch those and do those on their computer versus going to the gym because some people just enjoy working out, you know, in the comfort of their own home. So whatever works best for people, I would definitely challenge them to go, go take part in whichever one that is. I know people, I know people do struggle with the, the con, the, the concept of online training because people will say, well, what is it? what's the benefit of it well one you as the actual paying client you dictate when you train you don't have to fit to my schedule now like it would be the case in the gym you dictate when you train when you speak well that that one there's some discretion with in terms of when you'd be able to speak to me because that was so determined by my schedule but the actual training you would dictate, be it, I don't know, if you're a morning person, evening person, you were able to train in the afternoon. Well, you don't need to, you don't need me to be there. Yes, you can record it and send uh, the workouts for technical aspects, but the actual physical getting down to training will be mm-hmm. down to you. Okay. There's got to be some accountability to yourself or, I don't know, another family member to be able to implement that. Some would say that's a, a mental um, aspect has got to be there, but I would disagree. It's like, well, if your mind is in the right place, you want mm-hmm. to achieve that goal, it doesn't matter if you've got a trainer there or not. Okay, you've got to be then accountable to me, I don't know, uh, maybe on a weekly basis or a monthly basis and say, well, this is what I've done and this is what I need to tweak, be it I, I don't like an exercise um, nutrition isn't going quite right. Okay, you've got you've got the feedback there. Whereas, I think in the gym environment, people <clears throat> definitely predicate, "Oh, I'm going to do this one-hour training session. We'll work hard." Yeah. What about the? Well, we'll say the other 23 hours of the day. Okay, that's not physically possible, but I can't dictate to you. And I think that's the definite m- mindset I had back then. I can't dictate to you what you do the other 23 because you have to have some onus on yourself to possibly want to change your diet, um, want to train when I'm, when, when you're not paying for it. Whereas now I would probably look to change people's mind, their mindset before, because it's like, well, if we can, we can create the habits first of all, Nutritional fitness will fit in place quite nicely. Whereas I think, I think that was the 
disposition where fit the fit well myself and the fitness industry was in the past. We looked at just those the the, the fitness and the nutrition, the mental aspect. Okay, there's going to be some component to it, but it's not really important. Whereas now, there's a definite. It's it's got we got to fix all three, probably more so the mental side of things, and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when it. That's one of those questions when it comes. You've heard what is your why, and I, I, I think when it comes to your why has to be bigger than your why not, or your why has to be better than your why not. And if your why is I want to ultimately get in a better or get in a healthier shape so that I can see my children walk across this stage and graduate for high school, versus me sitting here and eating unhealthy and enjoying fried chicken and eating chocolate sundaes, whatever it might be, and, and, and just weighing out the consequences versus versus the benefits. And then when it gets to that point, then I think that should help some people take that mindset shift. But going to like being the complete accountability, depending on how committed somebody is, and they say, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do fitness uh, videos on my computer, but I'm willing to invest in bringing a coach into my home, getting a coach to come train me at my house. And then I think that that's really where it shows how invested you are uh, to really make change. That's when the change is made because then you start to see results. And then I think from that place, that's when things ultimately began to shift. And then, then, it, then you know, everything else flows after the habits, then that self-discipline kicks in and then things begin to roll for sure. Well, it comes back to that psychology analogy. It's reflective practice. It's, 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 um, Oh God, I would even try to frame it. It's looking at a specific goal. It, you you kind of get close to it. It's, it's reframing it again. It's kind of giving you a new goal. Okay, it's not to that that specific of um, uh, top uh, topic, but that specific kind of answer. But that probably people get their heads around it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I would agree with you. I definitely agree with you with that when it comes to comes to focusing in and, and 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 just shifting you know the mindset getting the goals moving forward definitely now jonathan now coming on to uh obviously back to you now a little bit less than so of me um how did your ted talk come about for you specifically because i know it's speaking to another former guest i had on what well, in our episode 124 with adam walker he said to me, it's very much being kind of have, and this is an analogy Ed Thomas uses very much, it's being the hunter as opposed to the lurker. You're going out of your way to get in touch with them, to get up to, whereas I was of the illusion previously to him, to speaking to him, that you they would approach you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how, how the way of things that, that, they, that they once did as far as with TED Talks, but I would assume that, that they go out and they initiate just based on some of the people I've seen give TED Talks, like, like a Tony Robbins, like I even believe Al Gore did a TED Talk. And seeing those people, you wouldn't think that they would have the biggest desire to just do a TED Talk, I would say, uh, because these are individuals who are, are doing okay when it comes to finances. I would assume that they're doing okay. Um, but for me, uh, the TED Talk really came about, I was, I was the hunter. 
And I approached this young lady and said, what do you need to do? I want to do a TED Talk. She said, okay, well, fill out this form. Filled it out. I'm like, yes, it's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. Denied. I said, okay, well, that's cool. I guess it wasn't meant for me. Let me just continue to do what I need to do. So then I began to speak other places. I began to speak at schools. I began to go and speak high schools, colleges, different universities, wherever. And then it just so happened that she inboxed me again. She then inboxed me probably about a year or so later. And this was after I was sending her emails, probably 10, 15 unanswered emails. She just didn't respond. I was like, what's going on? Is her email address changed or she doesn't want to talk to me? I don't, I don't know. And then she said, well, Jonathan, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're available or if you'd even be interested, but there's an opportunity for, for you to be a part of the TED Talk. If you would like to, then I would love for you to come into the office. We can talk through what this would look like and go, go through that process. I said, of course, I'll take it. So then it shifted from me initially being the hunter to me then being the hunted. I'm not sure if she saw the other work that I was doing in the community, speaking to other schools, speaking to different students. I, I don't know if she was watching me when I was sending her the emails. I have no idea. But I do know that it initially started out with me reaching out to her. And then from there, then it came back full circle. And then she came after me. Would it be a case of kind of using the two, how would I even word this? Being a, have a hunter mentality, but still continuing your craft and becoming an influencer. Uh, well, I, so I like to I like to use this phrase uh, work while waiting, and that and that could mean that and this could be for a, for an individual who might be a high school student getting ready to graduate, going to college, and looking for an internship. Just because you apply for one internship and you didn't get that one, doesn't mean you should stop applying there. You should put in multiple college applications if that's what you desire to do. You should put in multiple applications for internships. And then the meantime, in between time, you should find different areas to where you can, one, uh, just continue to cultivate your experience, continue to learn more about your craft. If this is going on YouTube and learning more, I, I just think that it's easy to say, oh, well, I applied for this or, oh, I put in for this. I made a call here. I made a call there. And then just stop there. And then when that one when, when that one seed comes back or that one call comes back and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we're, we're not interested. Then you've wasted so much time just waiting as opposed to if you put in more calls, you plant more seeds, you do more research. Then when somebody calls you back and they say, well, we're interested in you, but tell us why we should hire you or tell us why we should bring you on. Then you're able to tell them, well, since I reached out to you initially, I've learned about this, 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 this. I've read these books. And this is what I even know about your company. And now you're able to add them more, you're able to add more value to them. And they're able to see that you're one, an individual who takes initiative. You're somebody who takes direct action and doesn't waste time. But then they really see that you're a go-getter. So I, I think that's what, like, like you're talking about, James, helps shift that, that, that mindset or to the influencer state of mind, I guess we could, we could call it. Now, coming on a little bit more recently, you've also started, well, you've got a YouTube channel, but also you're looking to start your podcast. Why have you kind of had that shift from YouTube to looking to do a podcast as well? 
Uh, well, the, the, the shift began to happen for me because um, there's a guy by the name of Gary V. I'm not sure if you heard of this gentleman, uh, but with Gary V, I, I used to I used to heavily listen to his content. And then I would hear him say he would he, he would say the push for video. You need to do video, video, video. You need to be in front of everybody. Video, video, video. So that was when the focus was really on YouTube for me. And uh, also, I've heard many people as well as him, I believe, say that people are going to be consuming content, only content on YouTube by 2020. This is where they're going to receive a majority of their content information. So I said, well, first of all, let me grow my YouTube channel. And from there, then I was sitting talking with uh, my best friend. And then even outside of that, I began to talk with one of my videographers. And he said, Jonathan, everybody out here has a podcast, man. It's time for you to start a podcast. You want to speak? You want to expand your influence? You want to expand your audience? You got to get a podcast. I said, man, you're wrong. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I said, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't want to do that. It's too much. That Going back to that R word, I said, too much responsibility. I don't want to do it. No. Then about a month or so later, I came back to him because I was listening to this Gary V guy again. And then Gary V saying, People don't have all the time to watch all these videos all the time. Some people watch videos. That's only if they're specifically looking for you. They already know you. People don't want to watch videos. They're going to be listening to audio because people commute. They have long drives and all this and all that. They take road trips. So audio is the new wave. Podcast is the new wave. And that was when I had to make the shift. So I then began to make that shift. And since then, uh, now we've we've been rolling out. We were rolling out episodes seven days a week. We started out doing it like that, and that was a lot. I just saw your face, James. Yeah, that was a lot. And from that point, then I dwindled it down. Then it was three episodes a week. Now it's currently two: one on Monday, and uh, one on Friday. Friday is the full length episode. Monday is like a three to five minute Monday motivational. So that's that's what we do with the Speaking Success podcast now, and. Uh, we recently just launched the app. So there's a Speak Your Success app. It's free in the Android market as well as in the iTunes market. But just wanting to it, it, uh, ultimately just be able to expand the message and, and be able to impact as many lives as possible. That's the goal. But what possessed you to want to do it every day in the first place? Because <laughs> if we, we take it back from what we were talking about off air with mine, and I talked about two is hard enough. I don't imagine what seven was like. Uh, seven was painful is what it was. Um, and I, was, I saw, well, going back to Gary Vee. So Gary Vee dropped his latest book. I think it's Crush It. I think that's the latest one. But in that book, he has a specific chapter or section on podcasts. And this section is basically expounded upon by John Lee Dumas. Entrepreneurs on Fire is the name of his podcast. And I read that he did 2,000 straight episodes. So I said, well, he can do 2,000. Well, let me just go until, let's just see. And then, yeah, it, possessed is, is the right word because I, 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 it, it was painful because I was waking up every morning recording an episode. Every morning I wake up like four or five, five o'clock in the morning, record an episode, edit it, drop it, record it, edit it, drop it, record it, edit it, drop it. So had to dial that back. And we're going to see. I mean, I might, I might end up winding it down to one episode a week, but we shall see. We, should, we shall see, James. We shall see because the way time is looking now and with me now, uh, preparing to travel a little bit more and speak a little bit more. So it might get dwindled down to one episode a week. We shall see. 
But then, like, like you, you touched upon, uh, with it being seven days a week now, was it not difficult to be able to come up with new content? Um, that's, that's, that was a question that I was hearing pretty often, but it, it, it wasn't that difficult for me because I, I began to study uh, graduate coursework and counseling, and I've realized that the most successful coaches, the most successful motivational speakers, all of these individuals, typically, that, that typically psychology plays a role in what share. So then I started either going back through old psychology books or I just would share life experience or I would just pull from old or previous speaking engagements. But I'm sure if I did it, maybe if I did it two more weeks, three more weeks, who knows, I probably would have got to that point of burnout. But uh, I, I think as I started to get exhausted, I had to listen to my body and say, you know what, I'm, I'm putting out so much content, people don't have enough time to listen to it. So that was one thought. And I was like, I don't want to flood people because then people would just start hating me. So that's when dialing it back, dialing it down took place. And now here we are down to two episodes a week. So my final question to you, Jonathan, before we wrap up the episode, is a, uh, I can't speak. If you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to, yeah, uh, I'll have to redo that all again. If you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Hmm. This was going to be a run-on sentence. And this is actually the the way I close out my podcast. I, I, I would challenge everybody to speak their success, believe in their greatness, and create the life and business of their dreams. Do I get to elaborate or only get to say the sentence? No, I can elaborate. <laughs> By all means. Oh, okay, good, good. And, and the reason I say speak your, uh, I, I, I say, I say speak your success because just like we were talking about earlier, and we we're talking about insecurity, I, I believe that people need to learn to speak up for what they desire for their life. They need to learn to speak up and speak out those goals that they have. Because that way, then if, I believe it begins to resonate in your mind. Then after it resonates in your mind from your mouth. Then it, then it ultimately channels its way down to your heart. And then once it gets in there, then you have to drive. Then you, you're motivated. Then you have that why. And then once after you speak it and then it resonates in your heart, then you truly believe it. And then you see that you have the ability to then create the life and business of your dreams, what, whatever it is. I, 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 I've told students in a presentation I did this past week, I said, if you're getting to a place where you share your goals with people and they look at you like you're stupid or no one's ever done it before, then you're in great company because everything always seems so crazy until people do it. Neil Armstrong was crazy until he jumped on the moon. You know, Lance Armstrong was crazy until he rode his bike across the country. You know, all these different things, they seem so crazy. It seems impossible. And then somebody does it. And then people have to scratch their head and they say, well, wait, if that wasn't impossible, then why is this impossible? So I, so I just challenge people with that and don't put limits on yourself. Don't put limits on yourself ever because people already do that. They do enough of that. Don't let people put limits. Don't let people put labels, but that's, that's what I have for the people. So once again, Jonathan, thanks again for coming on the mindset game podcast. 
Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, James. I was glad to be here today. This is good. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.